Close to 300 million people around the world suffer from anxiety and depression. The Thelcom podcast has a mission to help address this challenge and revolves around the subject of happiness creation. We share a philosophy, tools, tactics and methods that will support anyone who really wants to find and sustain their own unique version of happiness. Our approach is evidence-based and we share features along the way with expert guests to help you and inform you and also to inspire you. You are listening to the Thelcom Podcast with your host, Mr. David Lilly. Understanding yourself can contribute hugely to your happiness and that is the focus of today's Falcon podcast it's all about a tool that can help you understand yourself better now before we get into the detail of exploring this subject with my guest and friend claire cahill let's ensure we have some solid background understanding to this subject of understanding yourselves now there are more books and publications on the subject of happiness than virtually any other subject And some of the words shared in these books, such as the Bible, dates back tens of thousands of years. With such a lot of human experience, history and learnings, it's surprising that we find our world reports such high proportions of people who are classified and described as depressed or anxious. Not happy, of course. Now, as you'll have heard me declare before, according to the World Health Organization, a staggering 270 million plus people worldwide suffer from depression. To put that into perspective, that's four times the population of the United Kingdom. Now, depression is a debilitating enough illness in its own right, but it's also the influencer behind so many other diseases. But what can people who are depressed or unhappy do for themselves to find joy? Is it a question of getting professional help from a psychotherapist, or is there a process of self-discovery that people can go on to try and help themselves. And it's this process of trying to figure out some solutions for oneself that's the primary focus and subject of today's podcast, as I said at the beginning, all about self-understanding. Now, my own 53 years of living, almost 54 in April, and my own experience and research has revealed that happiness is often achieved by people who have first invested in this practice of seeking to understand themselves in taking time to evaluate how their personality was shaped as a child and how it has since evolved into adulthood. It's about a person being conscious of what things they like, what things they don't like, what motivates them, what aspects of life provide excitement and stimulation and what creates a feeling of optimism and positivity over the feelings of pessimism and negativity. In my experience, some of the unhappiest people that I've met are the ones who lack self-awareness. People who lack self-awareness tend also, in my experience, not to have many friends. They are just not deeply aware of their impact on the people around them. They're not sure of their own desires and motivations. They're often confused about how they find a plan that can work towards bringing happiness into their own life. I've long since felt the starting point on the journey towards your own happiness is a deep self-evaluation. And understanding yourself and the impact of your behaviour on 
other people. We'll talk a lot later on about relationships and how they play a key part in happiness. I do have some good news for you though. There are some credible ways that people can get a flavour for their personality and character traits and attitudes. There are scientifically validated personality tests out there. It's easy to find some of them online and there is a range of both paid and free personality tests available for you to find. Now before we get into the process of how these tests can help, let's look at the background to them. How long they've been around and how effective and accurate they are. So, what is some of the history of personality testing? Well, the seeds of personality testing go back a a very long time. In fact, in the year 460 BC, Hippocrates suggested that humans had what he called a persona, personality that was comprised of four distinct temperaments. He suggested that whichever aspect as more dominant in a person determined their humour, and thus their type of personality. You can see where it was coming from. And then in 1879, a chap named Withelm Wundt became what some people have labelled the father of psychology and amongst the first people to draw a clear distinction between the human body and any type of human personality theory. The rise of the psychodynamic approach in the late 1800s led to a drastic change in the way that people began to view and understand human personality in social situations. The founder of the psychodynamic approach a famous Austrian man named Sigmund Freud, who died in 1939. One of Freud's most important contributions to the field of psychology was the development of the theory and practice of psychoanalysis. Some of the major principles of psychoanalysis include the significance of the unconscious versus the conscious mind, early sexual development, repression, dreams, death, and life motivations. Another famous guy called Carl Jung, who pioneered analytical psychology and died in the year 1961, well, he proposed that there are only four human personality preferences. He described these as sensing, intuition, thinking and feeling. And he said that these dominate and influence our personality. The 1900s led to an increased interest in personality testing assessments, especially in the workplace. Something known as the Woolworth Personal Data Sheet emerged, and was the first modern personality test to be invented. This was used in the US Army to detect which recruits would be susceptible to what's known as shell shock. Since the 1900s, personality testing, personality assessments and theories of human personality has literally skyrocketed. Many people have now become very familiar with personality quizzes, such as the DISC profiling method, the Myers-Briggs test, 16 personalities, Big Five Hexaco, and a long list of others. Now, I've provided some explanatory links to some of those in the show notes to this podcast. So back to today's podcast, we're going to focus on disk profiling. And disk profiling are the driver behind my questions to Claire Cahill, my guest. A little bit more about disk profiling so Claire can concentrate on the impact. So disk profiling is not new. It's been around since the year 1940, so a staggering 81 years on the recording date of this podcast. Now, although other people could claim a role in its creation, the DISC model of behaviour was first proposed by William Marston, a physiological psychologist with a PhD from the world-renowned Harvard University. Marston identified what he called four primary emotions and associated behavioural responses, which today we know as dominance, D, influence, I, steadiness, S, and conscientiousness, C. D-I-S-C, DISC, hence DISC profile. Since Marston's time, many instruments have been developed to measure these attributes. 
Now, before we get into that interview with my guest in the studio today, Claire Cahill, let me emphasise my theory that understanding yourself and your impact on other people in a social or work environment in an accurate and authentic way is crucial to your happiness. It's a fact to say that people who are self-aware tend to have better relationships. And we all know that the findings of one of the longest-standing respected studies into human happiness, what's known as the Harvard Study of Adult Development, again in the show notes, which is an effectively a study of human happiness, 85 years old this study is, and it's still running today and drawing conclusions from real people and families over decades of behaviour. One of the conclusions of the Harvard Study of Adult Development is that the number one contributor towards happiness and self-awareness can be found in our relationships. Relationships, good relationships, go hand in glove with happiness. So with that background behind us, let's get into the conversation now with Claire, who's patiently waited. Claire, thanks for joining us on the Thelcom podcast today. Let's start by having you share your personal and business background. Okay, so my backstory, I worked for Nationwide Building Society for 29 years. When I left school, I had very clear career aspirations and I wanted to be a bank manager. So by the time I was 24, I'd secured that goal and I was leading the team that had taught me everything that I knew. And I was very much somebody that was told, once you've got your foot in the door, let's just see where it can lead you. So I stayed with Nationwide because it was a great employer, but it also fed my security value, my loyalty value, and I got loads of personal growth. It was during my time there that I had two lots of maternity leave. And after my second maternity leave, I had my own confidence crisis. And that's when I decided to take a a hard look at myself and think, who is Claire Cahill? She's a mother, she's a wife, she's a daughter, a sister, a leader. But who is Claire? And that's when I came across coaching. Um, and then subsequently set up my own coaching and training business, which I now run um, after making that final leap of faith from employment. Thank you for sharing that, Claire. I think one of the things that I've discovered about you in the 10 years that we've known each other and become friends is that we are both students of happiness, even though in your world that manifests itself with you giving sort of personal coaching. A key part of that is helping people to find their own version of happiness And of course, this podcast is all about how people can seek to understand themselves better and how they can understand their impact on other people. And one of the things I love about your work is that you use something known as a DISC profile. What is a DISC profile, Claire, for the benefit of the listeners? Okay, so a DISC profile is a psychometric test of your personality, which is linked to the environment. So we're all unique, we're all different, there's no right or wrong personality trait, it's just identifying what your preferences are and whether that environment is good for your preferences or not, and how that then might impact how happy you are in that environment. We'll come on later on, we'll give a kind of specific but semi-anonymized version of a piece of work that you and I did together where we used your services for this profile. And I'll kind of explain how that manifested itself for the for the benefit of, of the organization. But before we get into the detail of disc profiling, we know that some people often refer to them as personality profiling tests. And in the show notes to this podcast, I'm going to send a link to demonstrate that 
of all the ones that are out there, disc profiling is often regarded or is regarded as the best. Why do you think that is, Claire? Out of all the different ones that are out there, the Myers-Briggs and I think one's called Hexaco, isn't it? Hexaco, Myers-Briggs. Why is this profile often regarded as being the best in your opinion? I think it's because it combines a lot of the other profiles. So with Myers-Briggs, you're either extroverted or introverted. There might be insights where you're a colour. And what DISC does is combine all of the best bits of those profiles, but then makes it really simplistic. So with DISC, you are either outgoing or reserved, you're either people focused or task focused, and we'll all be a combination of them all. It's just that we will have our preferences, and that's why I think DISC is deemed as one of the best because it's simple, but the reports that you get are so detailed. And you know, the majority of my clients have actually said actually, that is a true reflection Mm. of who I am. And I always encourage people to complete that test within no more than seven minutes, because that's when you'll get your most accurate report, because you're, you're answering the questions with this is either more like me or least like me. And I encourage people to go with that intuitive response, rather than overthinking it. And I think that's why it's got the reports that it's got as, as one of the best profiles. Claire, without being specific in naming anyone, can you think of an example with a client that you've dealt with where that person came to you for personal coaching and part of that you discovered was there was an underlying lack of awareness and which led and fed that person being unhappy, perhaps anxious or even depressed. Can you think of an, uh, examples where a disc profile has actually helped someone as part of that process of helping them figure themselves out? Yeah, I can probably think of a few clients really where they've come and they've come because they've felt stuck. They're struggling to move forward. And my role as a a coach is not to delve into the past to understand if it's the, the past that's helped preventing them from moving forward. It's more about let's understand you, who you are, why you do the things that you do, why you maybe feel the way that you feel and let's get the report to identify if there's any blind spots that you might not be aware of and also what your strengths are and how you can focus on your strengths and play to those strengths. So it's given that by by the time they've got the report and they've read it, nine times out of 10, they'll say, gosh, that is me. And I now understand why I behave the way I behave in certain situations. And I now understand why I'm stuck. The challenge then becomes, so now knowing what you know, what are you going to do? And Mm. what might you need to change to create a different feeling, behavior or situation? It's fascinating, Claire, isn't it? Because if you think about the people in your life, your business colleagues and, and your friends and your family, sometimes in a in a professional corporate environment, they'll put you through the likes of Myers-Briggs or DISC profiling as part of your personal development. Rarely would you get that in a self-employed environment and rarely would you get a friend sitting you down and actually telling you about how they perceive you and about how you are. And even if that friend or family member did, that's their window on you as opposed to a kind of broader consideration. So 
my own view of having worked with you alongside this profile is that this is literally almost a pain-free because it's not being delivered by any one person, a pain-free Maybe not pain-free because it probably does tell you things about yourself that you read and you think, well, that is me, but I don't really like the fact that that is me. But what's what's brilliant about it is that you can actually read about your personality, as you've said. You can read about the impact that you're having on people around you because you read. I'm trying to think of an example. I mean, I'm regarded as a harmony seeker and a team player, and that's definitely what I, what I am. And it's good to read that about yourselves. But equally, you read other things and you think, hmm. I wish I wasn't like that bit, but I am. And so this kind of journey of trying to understand yourself for me is is a key part of happiness. Walk me through, Claire, when someone approaches you and they say, look, I want I want personal coaching. In what context do you use a DISC profile? What is the sequence of events that you take someone through and where does a DISC profile fit in that? Okay, so when somebody first approaches me for coaching, the DISC profile is the first coaching session that I do with the client. And the reason I do that is, is because I want to get to know them in minutes rather than months. And I want to raise that awareness for me and for the client of this is who you are. This is who I'm working with. And to understand, are we a good fit? And typically what I've found is I'll attract my complete opposite. And the reason why I attract my complete opposite is, is because they're my missing ingredient and I'm their missing ingredient. And in any relationship and in any team, you need different people in that team because if you were all the same, you'd all go off of a cliff together. There'd be nobody to bring you back. Mm. Um, and so by having that DISC profile as the first session, it just gives all of that insight that they might not have had. Once we've then done that DISC coaching session, we can then talk about, so where do we go next? And typically, I will then move to values because the DISC profile will share some of those values in there. And as part of any goal setting, it's really important that we know what our values are and how our values help and hinder us in goal setting, but also how our values will positively influence relationships, but could potentially destroy relationships, positively influence conversations we have, and and potentially ruin conversations we have. But also, if the environment is congruent with our values, we're more likely to stay in that environment. Whereas if it completely against our values then actually we've got a decision to make about well why are we going to stay there if we're unhappy and it's because our values are out of sync and then once we've done the values I then typically move on to motivators so what is it that gets you out of bed in the morning and wants to to make you want to achieve a goal because again if our goals aren't linked to our values and our motivators the chances are we're not going to achieve our goals because they're going to be moving us away from them and then after that, it's typically about whatever the client brings to the session that they want to work on. And I have the confidence that I've got something in my toolkit that I can bring to that session to help move them forward. So if I were sort of phrasing, paraphrasing that back to you, Claire, what I'm hearing you saying is that a DISC profile is, is a foundational part of what you do. It helps you to get an understanding of that person because you're never have ever going to get that understanding of them unless you were to spend weeks, possibly months with them. 
that gives you the ability to get a, a 360 degree perspective of them and then you can use that almost like a piece of a jigsaw puzzle in building what vision they want. Values, interestingly, I've just recorded a podcast all about values. And I mean, you talk about putting yourself in, in situations where you're playing to your strengths or living out your values is, is a major contributor towards happiness. You know, and often in a team environment, you've got things going on, people that have got contrasting values. Let's say you've got someone that really values sincerity over here and then over here you've got someone that actually is a little bit let's say sneaky i can't i can't think of the word that i'd associate with sneaky and value but i I guess discreet and so these two people really struggle with each other because you've got one person that completely values openness transparency sincerity and you've got the other person that's actually very closed probably to the point of kind of suppressing a positive atmosphere so that's an example claire isn't it where a disc profile would uncover that in the description about the person that's taken the disc profile it would uncover this is what you're going to deliver in the in this environment and again we'll come on to how we how we use it in this work example that we worked on so walk me through now, Claire, what's specifically involved in completing a DISC profile? Again, this is for the benefit of the people that are listening that may want to reach out to you and say, I'd like to have that done. What is actually physically involved in the completion process? So all that would happen is, is I would need their email address. So I would then send them an email with a link to a questionnaire. I think there's about 25 questions that somebody needs to answer in no more than seven minutes and they're typically statements and you answer this is more like me this is least like me once you've answered all of those questions I then get an email back to say there's a report waiting to be downloaded I then download that 18 page report um, and then I will send that on to the person that's completed it for them to read and digest. And I typically do that about 24 hours before I then do the coaching session, because that then gives them an opportunity to read it, digest it, make any notes on it, write down any questions that they might want answering. But I've also got time to read it, digest it, highlight things on there that I might want to raise awareness during that session or ask questions on during that session. And it really is as simple as that. Let's drill a little deeper, Claire, into what's going on behind that questioning methodology or philosophy, let's call it. Because confession, you know, I've done a disc profile, as you know, with you. And so I'm aware of who I am as far as disc profiling is concerned. But the questions are literally designed to really to get you think, isn't it? So as you said, the question would be which of these most describes what you think you are and which are the ones which least describe how you are. Now, I have to confess, when I was doing it, some of them, I, I momentarily struggled. And I thought, hmm, I'm actually a bit of all these. And the suggestion and the guidance for the person is is to truly choose which is the most like them and the least. And that's how I suppose the algorithm that, that figures it all out works behind it. How much feedback do you get, Claire, from people that do it and say, oh, I I actually quite struggled to pick. I was compromised in which one I chose, so I chose that one, and I'm not sure that that's necessarily representative. How much of sort of feedback that do you get? Yeah, a little bit of feedback like that, but the questions are designed that sometimes a question will come and you might think, I've just answered that one. But again, it's a similar question, but phrased a different way. So like you say, the algorithms will then look 
pick up what, what's actually going on. There's a few times where people have um, thought too long about the questions and then it's timed out. So they then don't get a true report. So it comes back to me as David has just attempted to complete this, but it's now incomplete. So I've had to go back to the client to say, you've done what I asked you not to do, and that's you've spent too long on a particular question. And that then gives me an opportunity to ask, you know, what question was it? And typically they can't remember because the questions are designed to, for not force you, but encourage you to pick it from that intuition and what will happen then is is there'll be something then that pops up in the report that the client will say actually that was the question that I struggled with and this is what it says about me in the report and I'm not sure if that's true or not so then we've talked specifically about that particular area and we've talked about the environment the situation and by the time we've finished that conversation they've said I get now that that is like me and I understand now why I struggled with it and why it might not have been like me. But every single time they've said, actually, whether I like it or not, that is me. But that's why I've struggled to answer it. Yeah. And again, for, for our listeners to give them comfort around the integrity of this, let's call it. So recently, I have a client. I won't name the client, but they are um, a holiday resort, let's call them. And this holiday resort, we needed to recruit. Uh, some new people particularly in one key position and we had 120 applicants for this position we went through a procedure where we interviewed them all and we had a scoring process based on criteria-led questioning so the interviews were all done by four different people because we got so many people to interview in the end we chose to interview 30 people and all those interviews were were 30 to 40 minutes long, but we were all asking the same question and giving them a score for how they answered, one being low, 10 being high. And that allowed us to then filter down to the last seven people that we felt, okay, these seven people were struggling to divide them with the score on the criteria-led questioning. And we asked them their permission if we, if we could put them through a disc profile, which we paid for. And the process was just so enlightening. And I think it's probably, and I've worked for major corporations like the likes of American Express and, and Wyndham. Um, I've worked in banking environments. And this is the most effective recruitment process that I've ever been through. And part of that is because of this profile. So at the end of that process, Claire, those seven people that you sent a link to go through that disc profile, we had a report, they had a report, which told us all about their style, their personality, what we perceived, rightly or wrongly, you may use different language to this, Claire, but what we perceive to be potentially their strengths and weaknesses for our environment and cutting a, what could be a very long story as short as possible, we chose someone that not only had the right skills of discipline that we need, attention to detail, customer service, but that could also fit into a environment harmoniously that wasn't someone that was potentially a conflict creator now what's really interesting is some of the people that we actually rejected we could see that they were they were going to be overly questioning of certain things in an environment that wasn't conducive to that so we recruited a person based on criteria-led questioning 
and your disprofiling. And it was the it was the recognition of reading those and saying to those seven people, oh, by the way, how close would you describe what we share with you as, you know, is it 90% like you? Is it nothing like you? Every single person came back and said a minimum of 90%, sometimes 95%. And interestingly, I shared my disprofile with the team that are all used to me, which was done a couple of years ago now, to be fair. And I, I asked them all to read it, and I, because I was going to read theirs. I said, it's important. It's, it's a long document, I know, but there's a summary phase that will help you. And we had a little session together, and we all agreed that what we were reading is literally almost a, a mirror image of that person. So there's huge, a huge value in, in that, Claire. When you deal with a client and you map out what it is you're actually going to do with them and disprofile is part of it, how do you position the benefits of them doing it to them? How do you justify, we're going to do this disc profile, this is what it consists of, and this is what I'm going to get out of How do you explain that? What do you say to them? So I just say that, you know, at the end of this, you're going to have an 18-page report all about you that is yours for the rest of your life. The chances of that changing are minimal, but they could change because of environment. Yeah. And this will enable you to start to have really open and honest conversations with people about who you are, yeah. what you, how you best like to be communicated with, how not to communicate with you. So it all helps the, the relationship building. It'll also help you identify your strengths and how you can play to those strengths, but also what your potential blind spots are and, and areas that you might need to focus on for your development. There's also an opportunity for you to seek feedback from others about, you know, what they view to be true about you that you can then use as part of a development plan. So anybody who is interested in their own personal development, in raising awareness about themselves, but then helping others raise awareness about them to, to enhance those relationships, it's just a gift that keeps on giving because I still pull my report out now and my report went back to when I first did mine, which was probably 2013, 2014. And whether I like it or not, that is me, mm. warts and all. But I accept that to be true. And even when I'm in a stressful situation, I've now been able to put coping mechanisms in place that means that I don't just flip from an inspiring, influential, outgoing, fun-loving individual into the dominant, demanding red dragon in a whirlwind, which is how I describe myself. And I'm now able to say to people, look, you've got five seconds because my buttons are being pushed. And I'm really struggling now to continue this, this conversation. So again, I think by being through the process myself and understanding the benefits of it and the value, I'm then able to articulate that to people that I want to work with. Claire, if you think back through all the people that you've coached over the time you've been been a coach, and I, I would add, you didn't say this in your own introduction, but I'll say it for you, that you're the author of a book, and you're an award-winning coach. I think that's important so people know they're listening to someone that really does know what they're doing and is effective at what they're doing. But of all the clients you've worked with over the years, how many of them have struggled with what I would class as their own identity, self-awareness, not knowing what their life philosophy is, 
what their values are and what their impact on others are. If you think about the scenarios, all the all the pictures, all the faces of all the people you've coached now flashing across your face, how many of them would you say, and I'll repeat that because it's quite a long question, not knowing what their life philosophy is, what their values are, not being clear on what their values are, or potentially their, their impact on other people. How many of them were deficient, would you say, in that area? I think the majority of people that I've worked with weren't able to articulate that and yeah. wouldn't know. And I've I've got one client in, in my head at the minute who regularly tells me that DISC was the game changer for mm. her. And now she's able to effectively make decisions. She understands why she behaves how she behaves in certain situations. And she is extremely happy now with who she is as an individual very clear on her values, very clear on her life purpose. And yeah, I suppose the challenge of being a great coach is you ought to, you, you make yourself redundant because clients move on. But for me, it's about realizing that I was the catalyst for changing that individual. And my door will always be open because at some point in the future, a situation might arise where they're stuck again. But by having the DISC profile, being clear on the values, being clear on the motivators, it might not be as painful as what it was the first time they were stuck Mm. because they can ask themselves the questions that I would have asked them. So where does this fit and how does it fit into your overall life philosophy and what you want to give to the world that we live in? Often, Claire, I mean, I, I completely agree with everything you just said. And often when I get into deep intellectual conversations with people on the subject of happiness, I'm talking about people that are fundamentally unhappy. They are probably depressed, maybe not clinically depressed, but they are their own definition of down, depressed, probably anxious. So few of them, you ask them the question about, you know, what are your core values? So few of them have thought about that. You ask them the deeper question, what is your life philosophy? What are your motivators? Again, they've not thought about that. And with some people, the penny doesn't drop. You probably know what I mean by that. They can't open their mind to, to appreciating that going through an exercise on these things that we're talking about now is going to play a major part in setting setting them straight and helping to lift the cloud of what creates happiness, what creates progress. Is what I'm saying resonating with you? Is that is that your experience of it as well? Absolutely. And I think, you know, I was in my pit, my confidence crisis. Um, I'd hit rock bottom. Um, I was lost. I was unhappy. And, you know, coaching did transform my life and disc profiling was part of that. And I still use that now. And that's not to say that I'm happy all of the time, because that's just unrealistic. Um, And I have my moments where, yes, I'm sad. Yes, I'm unhappy. Yes, I'm bordering on depression. But having the awareness that I've got, I'm able to bounce back far quicker than than what I was. um, And I'm able to understand what might trigger that. But it also means that with the people that I come into contact with, I spot it very quickly. So not a surprise that I've profiled my whole family, that we're all different, we're all unique, and we've got all of the letters covered. But I also use that to my advantage that I might not be the right person 
to have conversations with some of my family, but other people will be. And it's about recognising and and raising awareness and having those open and honest conversations about, well, nobody has a magic wand that we can wave. Nobody can find happiness. It has to come from within. And if you're unhappy, what's the real reason why you're unhappy and what can you do about it? And who can help and support you? along the way and it might not be those people that are the nearest and dearest to you because they're too close and you know again once I start to have those questions around well actually if it's work that's making you unhappy what are all the reasons why you stay a lot of the time it's because well financially I need that income but what does that income provide you with so what does what what happiness does that money bring you? Because there's an argument that says money's energy. Mm. And and actually, who says you can't earn that income somewhere else? And actually, you might earn more money by being in an environment that really plays to your strengths, that really enables you to bloom. Um, and again, these were all conversations that I had with with the people on my team. And, and I shared their stories in my book because they were all disengaged employees and a lot of them w- were staying where they were because it was safe, it was secure, it provided them with a status, it provided them with a certain level of income. Yep. When you start to peel back the onion layers and get deeper, actually the reality is something completely different. One of the things that you said earlier on in that in that piece, Claire, is one of the things that I love about you, which is authenticity. And you said that you're not happy all the time. Sometimes you're down, sometimes probably on the edge of depression. I love that about you. And I I wrote recently as one of the chapters to my course about my own levels of happiness. I, I said that I am predominantly happy 65 to 70% of the time, which I think is a good ratio. But it's impossible, in my opinion, to be happy all the time. Because that would mean you'd you'd be, I don't know, you'd 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 be living on an island, wouldn't you? Where everything around you was was kind of false. There are negative things that go on in families, in work environments, in the world, in in the UK, and you can't not be affected by that. You, your mood does get affected when someone lets you down, for example, who who you're close to, and they do something to upset you that surprises you. It disappoints you. And the word disappointment, rather the emotion disappointment, falls under the heading for me of un- of unhappiness. And so it's impossible to be happy all the time. So predominance is where I try to guide people. What can you do to mean that you've got more happy moments in your life? Uh, how can you understand yourself better? And I think having gone through a disc profile, it's a superb tool. One of the final questions I'll ask you, Claire, before I let you tell us how people can contact you if they are interested in coaching or having a disc profile done is in the years that you've been coaching, what's the split between the number of people that have come to you and they're in some sort of business capacity versus the number of people who've just met you and they're more interested in you life coaching them more than the the kind of personal business coach. So does that make sense? What I'm asking is, you know, I know from knowing you that there are a fair few people that are in business, but how many of them has it transpired in that process that are actually more interested in the personal development and the business impact is a side effect? I think in the majority of my clients, it's the personal side of it. Yeah. I remember when I set myself up as an executive confidence and leadership coach, 
um, somebody actually said to me, if somebody was lacking in confidence, they wouldn't come and search for a confidence coach. I have had clients where they found me on Google by searching for a confidence coach in the local area. And that inspired my confidence that actually, if you know what you're looking for, you will go out and find it. And I think the people that I've worked with from a business perspective, they didn't realize that actually they would get the personal development that they got until they started working with me. The people that have come to me because they want to invest in their personal development have then got a business spin out of me. So both go hand in hand. And I don't market myself as a life coach, even though that's what I'm qualified as. Um, And I know that I run the risk that some people might not find me because I'd still like to think that if people search for a life coach, Claire Cahill will come up. But that's because I do always have a business spin on it. So even when we look at the life side of things, it will fall out into something else. I once said to you, Claire, you went through an exercise and you were asking some of some of the people that are close to you certain things to try and help you in terms of positioning. And I remember saying that I see you as someone that helps people find enlightenment and get enlightened. And actually, it's one of the biggest compliments I think I could I could pay you because I think enlightenment can fuel so much when your eyes are opened to something. And what we're talking about today is being enlightened about yourself, really. You know, what is more important than that? And if you can help, that's a powerful, powerful thing that you're able to help people to do, to provide um, and give them the tools to get enlightened about themselves and about where they want to take their life. And part of that is the underlying happiness. So Claire, if anybody's listening to this and they're thinking, you know what, I've been inspired by some of the things that Claire has said, and I'm interested in either having a disc profile or ultimately being coached by you, how can they make contact with you? Okay, so they can find me via my website, which is www.ascendocoaching.co.uk. And there'll be a contact box on there. People can email me, which is claire at ascendocoaching.co.uk. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. So people can have my uh, LinkedIn profile and you'll just search Claire Cahill. And then on Facebook, I have my own personal profile, but I also have my business profile, which is Ascendo Coaching. And I will put all of the links to those in the show notes. So anybody listening, if you're out and about walking, when you get back to your desk or your chair at home, you can check out all those links and just click straight through to Claire. Claire, thank you so much for making time for us today on this subject of disc profile but how that can lead people to enlightenment thank you well that was the voice of my guest for today's show claire cahill and a big thank you to claire for providing a detailed insight into the benefits of having what's known as a disc profile done and how that can help you to better understand yourselves with as i think we demonstrated throughout the course of the podcast self-understanding being a key part of the happiness equation If you want to check Claire Cahill out, I've left a link in the show notes, and that link lists of all Claire's online channels, including a link to her website where you can make contact with her if you want to. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and that you now appreciate the role that the pursuit of self-understanding can have in your happiness journey. I've popped a few different links into the show notes to help you investigate and research this subject a little more. If anybody wants to contact me, I'm always open to being emailed, you can get directly through to me 
via david at thelcom.com. That's david at thelcom.com. My name is David Lilly. You've been listening to the Thelcom Podcast. If you have enjoyed it, why not give us a positive review and share this episode with people who you think might benefit from listening to it. Until next time, thank you. <laughs>